Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Link, a weekly podcast to help you uncover hidden things that steal your health. Thanks for joining us today. Here's your host, Dr. Mark Sherwood. Today, it gives me great honor and pleasure to welcome a, a friend who I, I feel fortunate to call him a friend. He's a really smart dude. I'm going to read you his bio here. It's really interesting. So, Dr. Nathan Bryan is an international leader in molecular medicine, nitric oxide biochemistry. I know the listeners, you've heard us talk about the essential nature of nitric oxide for a long, long time. Dr. Bryan was the first to describe nitrite and nitrate as indispensable nutrients required for optimal cardiovascular health. He was the first to demonstrate and discover an endocrine function of nitric oxide via the formation of nitrosoglutathione and inorganic nitrate. As far as accomplishments go, he has many. He's been involved in nitric oxide research for the past 18 years and has made several seminal discoveries in the field. Discoveries and findings from him have transformed the development of safe and effective functional bioactive natural products in the treatment and prevention of human disease that may provide the basis for a new preventive or therapeutic. He's been cited numerous times and has authored or edited five books. And I know he's got a special new thing he's going to tell us about today along the lines of treatment for COVID. Nathan, uh, man, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Mark. So it's a pleasure and honor to see you and spend some time with you. Oh, my gosh. Every time I've heard you speak and teach, it's been uh, enlightening. And I, I always sense there's a there's a kindred spirit there. You know, I, I know we are both people of faith and we don't back away from that. And sometimes I think that the most brilliant minds are, are the most uh, childish minds in the sense that they just defer <laughs> the knowledge, the teaching of our Lord and Savior. You know, I think that's how we, we kind of get information a lot, right? That's that's exactly right. You know, if I look back on my career and, you know, the, the path that I took, I look back and really begin to understand how little control I had over that. Uh, you know, I think God puts people and situations in your life at the right time to kind of, you know, direct your life. And so I'm very blessed, very fortunate to be here today. And you know, we've learned a lot over the past 20 years in science and medicine. Yeah. And you've been at the forefront of things. And uh, so, you know, you're the, the nitric oxide guy. I mean, that's, that's you right there. So for all of us, and we have a wide range of audience here, Tell us what is nitric oxide and why is it so important for the human body? Well, Mark, it's a great question. In fact, that's the answer that I try to provide to people all over the world. You know, I give over even over 200 lectures around the world, and still, I'm I'm still surprised by how few physicians and healthcare practitioners know or understand what nitric oxide is. And so, it's really probably one of the most important molecules produced in the human body. It controls uh, blood flow, circulation. In fact, it's so important, it's, it's what's responsible for oxygen delivery. So you can provide the body with oxygen, but without nitric oxide, oxygen cannot be released to do its job to provide cellular energy uh, for every cell in the body. But in essence, it's a signaling molecule. It's how cells in the body communicate with one another. The best example is, you know, in, in dilating blood vessels. It was first discovered as a vasodilator meaning that when it's produced by the endothelial cells, it diffuses into a neighboring cell and causes smooth muscle relaxation, and then that causes blood vessels to dilate and relax, and it reduces blood pressure and actually in increases perfusion, oxygen, and nutrient delivery to every cell in the body. 
So, and then, but that's one important factor. But the other thing we've we've known, we've recognized is that it's a neurotransmitter in the central nervous system. And now, especially important this time of COVID, it's really a, an important component of our immune system. Mm-hmm. Nitric oxide is what how our immune system fights off invading pathogen, including bacteria and viruses. So the fundamental nature of nitric oxide really explains a lot about every biological activity. But unfortunately, the older you get, the less nitric oxide you make, and that's what's responsible for age-related disease. In fact, it's what's responsible for people that are increased susceptibility to COVID. Now, you and I know that we're exposed to viruses and bacteria every single day of our life. Some people get sick, some people don't. I have not been sick in over 20 years from a bacterial or virus infection. I I don't live in a bubble. I travel over 100,000 air miles every year, but my body and my immune system deals with these effectively to where you you, you elicit a robust immune response. Mm -hmm. It has to do with optimal nitric oxide production. But the people who don't optimize their nitric oxide, they're exposed to these pathogens. Their immune system may be somewhat compromised. The pathogen sets in, wreaks havoc on the system, and that's what causes not only the susceptibility to COVID infection, but the seasonal flu, other virus and bacterial infections. This goes to the very core. You mentioned something about as we age, we don't make it as efficiently. You know, how is it made? And then along those lines, the second question is, how is the lack of manufacturing, what causes that? It's a very good question. So we now know after about 30 years of research that there's two primary ways the body makes nitric oxide. The first pathway to be discovered was by an enzyme called nitric oxide synthase that's found primarily in endothelial cells. And those are the cells that line all blood vessels throughout the body. And then that enzyme converts L-arginine into nitric oxide. And L-arginine is a semi-essential amino acid, meaning that you get it partly from your diet, partly through the urea cycle. Um, and so that enzyme converts arginine to nitric oxide. But the older you get, and it's based on you know, some genetic predispositions, some single nucleotide polymorphisms and essential enzymes or protein products. And then the other part of it is due to diet and lifestyle. So all the known cardiovascular risk factors, whether it's smoking, whether it's a sedentary diet, um, high carbohydrate, processed, refined food, all that leads to an uncoupling of that enzyme and you develop what we call endothelial dysfunction. And endothelial dysfunction is really the root cause of every major chronic disease. So it's really the function of that enzyme that becomes uh, uncoupled or the, the function of that enzyme that becomes uncoupled over time lease it in. So to answer your question, it's both diet, it's lifestyle, it's partly genetic, but that's, so that's what clearly declines with age. Now, on average, but you know, and I know that, you know, there are some people that, you know, are in their late forties, early fifties, like you and I, who have a biological age of a, you know, a 20 or 30 year old. And to the contrary, there's people that are in their late teens, early twenties that have a biological age of a 50 or 60 year old. So it, it doesn't predestine you to have that age-related decline in nitric oxide production. You can do the things that we've we've demonstrated both clinically and scientifically to prevent that age-related decline in nitric oxide production. And for me, that's the most important thing you can do for your own health. But the other pathway really comes from the diet, and that's mm-hmm. a unique um, mode of intervention uh, because it's known that inorganic nitrate found in green leafy vegetables 
can be metabolized into nitric oxide in the human body. So it really explains the mechanism of a plant-based vegetarian diet, uh, the mechanism for the dietary approaches to stop hypertension. Uh, but you know that pathway becomes disruptive when people use antiseptic mouthwash. Where mm -hmm. 200 million Americans wake up every morning and use mouthwash. So no wonder we have an epidemic of diabetes, high blood pressure, all these cardiovascular issues. And then the other problem, major problem, is proton pump inhibitors or antacid, because these drugs and medications actually inhibit nitric oxide production from both the endothelial pathway and from the nitrate, nitrite, nitric oxide pathway. So the worst thing you can do is to inhibit stomach acid production. Mm -hmm. And so now we're learning that all the things, really this explains, you know, things like resistant hypertension, the increased heart attack and stroke from people who have been on antacids for three to five years, the protective mechanism of a Mediterranean diet or a plant-based diet, mm -hmm. you know, just eating a well-balanced um, high vegetable diet. So everything we know about nitric oxide can be explained from the subcellular organelle all the way through nutritional epidemiology. Now, when we talk about this secondary pathway of manufacturing, not talking about the nitric oxide synthase of the epithelium, but the secondary pathway by consuming these inorganic nitrates, um, explain the, the bacterial connection there in the mouth, because you talk about these antiseptics are going to kill a bacteria. Well, that does something bad, obviously, and it, it stops that process. Kind of explain when we don't take antiseptic mouthwash, how that conversion works and how it works in the, in the gut as well. Sure. Now, it's a fascinating uh, pathway because the microbiome, the bacteria that live in and on our body are very important. You know, we've learned that over the past 20 years, how important the gut microbiome is. Uh, you know, they outnumber our own human cells you know, 10 to 1. So these bacteria are there in and on our body to do jobs that we as humans can't do. It's, it's a true symbiotic relationship. And so it's the diversity of this microbiome. And so, you know, a lot of people spend a, time, a lot of time studying the microbiome in the gut. We started in the mouth because mm -hmm. where digestion begins. And so inorganic nitrate is inert in humans. Humans cannot metabolize this NO3 minus molecule. But there are nitrate-reducing bacteria that live on the crypts of the tongue that are facultative anaerobes that use nitrate as a substrate for respiration. And so they'll reduce nitrate to electron reduction to nitrite. And so it's these bacteria that are responsible for converting the nitrate in vegetables into bioactive nitrite and nitric oxide. And so to your point, if you're using an antiseptic mouthwash, you're killing the bad bacteria, but you're also disrupting the diversity of the microbiome. And we know that disruption of diversity leads to an unhealthy microbiome. Not only are you killing the bad guys, you're killing the good guys and you lose the ability to generate nitric oxide. In fact, using mouthwash has been shown to cause an elevation in blood pressure. And I was on the doctor's show several months ago where we demonstrated that using mouthwash, you actually inhibit the cardioprotective benefits of exercise if you use mouthwash. Mm. This, and, and this is very important because I think people try to do the, the right thing, right? They go to their dentist, you know, whether they have bad breath or trying to protect their uh, oral health, they tell them to use fluoride toothpaste and antiseptic mouthwash. But they're not realizing the unintended consequences of that. Their blood pressure goes up. They may try to eat right, get moderate physical exercise. But yet, if you use mouthwash, you're getting zero benefit 
from a from a good diet or from trying to get some moderate exercise. And obviously, we're we're talking about as we age, the nitric oxide synthase production is going to go down, and that goes down at a variety of rates compared with the individual based upon genetic SNPs. But then we're talking about knocking off a complete um, pathway at just wiping it out with this antiseptic uh, mouthwash. Well, okay, so there's there's a dentist here listening somewhere. I know. Um, That's right. What what are you going to say to that dentist about? Well, what else can I do, Nathan? What what do you recommend besides that? Well, I mean, there's there's a there's a balance here because there's you know if people who have chronic halitosis or an active oral infection where there's gingivitis, a periodontal disease, they need to take some acute steps to, to kill those, you know, caries-causing bacteria or the ones that are causing the inflammation of the gums because we know that gingivitis, periodontal disease, leads to increased incidence of heart attack and stroke. So we have to address the oral infections. You know, you basically, and I think we share the same philosophy, is you give the body what it needs and it heals itself. So we know that if you give a regimen of antibiotics, it, it acutely disrupts the gut microbiome. But these bugs are pretty resilient in the fact that, you know, four days after you stop an antiseptic rinse, the bacteria repopulate. In fact, you can actually increase the diversity. So I'm not saying an acute dose of an antiseptic, maybe to change the floor a little bit, uh, but doing this daily is, is very detrimental. Mm-hmm. So out there, you know, I remind them that the mouth is connected to the rest of the body and you cannot ignore the consequences here that are going to have systemic effects. The data are very clear. If you use mouthwash, you see an increase in blood pressure. Uh, If you use, uh, you know, fluoride toothpaste, which is also an an antiseptic, you're killing the good guys, you're killing the bad guys. So we have to take these steps to consider the whole body and what you do here is going to have an effect throughout the, the human body. And that is true. You know, I've, I've looked and, and just for listeners, if you want to plink around through PubMed, you will find those articles there. They're fascinating, you know, giving people uh, mouthwash before a run and after a run and see their blood pressure. And it's been fascinating. I've read those things and it's, it is true uh, what Nathan is saying. So, Nathan, I mean, so here we are as human beings. We get it. OK, we need to have nitric oxide for all of these reasons. How do we test? How do we, I mean, is there a measurable quantification of this to test for sufficiency? That's a very good question. What we've been trying to work on for probably 12 years now. So when we start, we had these discoveries and we brought this technology to market. The first question we had was, how do I know if I need nitric oxide? Because there's not a lab you can pull like for your cholesterol or vitamin D or triglycerides. It's not a simple lab measurement, because nitric oxide, perhaps I failed to mention, is a gas mm-hmm. produced, and then it's gone in less than a second. So there's no way to measure that in the human blood. So what we can do, there's several several things we can do. So I developed a, a salivary test strip mm-hmm. that really gives us a good proxy for total body nitric oxide availability. So if you don't have the right oral bacteria, then your saliva is not going to be enriched in nitrite, which is what we're measuring with the test strip. And that'll tell us that your body is insufficiently making nitric oxide. But so that, that's how we can tell the, the kind of the, the enterosalivary pathway. But the true measure of endothelial function, there's some FDA cleared medical devices that measure endothelial dysfunction. There's a couple of them on the market. One is an occlusive hypnosography called Endopath. It's a five-minute brachial occlusion. And then you look at 
uh, what's called reactive hyperemia mm-hmm. and mediated dilatation. So that'll tell you how well your blood vessels make nitric oxide. And these are all, you know, FDA cleared, they're reimbursable, mm-hmm. uh, really cool devices. Um, some clinics use them, probably not enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, those are the only two well. The functional measurements are always better than any biochemical measurement. But I tell people, look for the symptoms of nitric oxide deficiency. Do you have an elevation in blood pressure? Do you have hyperglycemia and hyperinsulinemia? Uh, do you fatigue easily when you begin to exercise? Do you have erectile dysfunction, whether you're a man or a woman? Those are the classic signs and symptoms of nitric oxide deficiency. If you have those, you can then begin to employ these strategies that we talk about that are clinically proven, and most of the time, these symptoms will go away. What is your take on the serum measure of uh, asymmetric dimethylarginine or ADMA? I know we, we measure that quite often, and we've seen it correlate quite nicely with what you're talking about. What's your take on that? Well, I think it's a good marker because it's, it is an inhibitor. So it's a, it's a competitive inhibitor of arginine for binding to the nitric oxide synthase. <clears throat> so if you have an elevation in ADMA or SDMA, that tells us that you're basically competing for binding to the nitric oxide synthase enzyme. And it is an OS inhibitor. So it inhibits nitric oxide production. And so you have to overcome that. So number one, you have to figure out why you have an increase in ADMA and SDMA. And most of the time, it's due to a proton pump inhibitor or some other defects in this genetic uh, DDAH enzyme uh, that leads to the accumulation of that. Because just like with any molecule, you get production versus breakdown. So yep. if you increase production without breakdown, then you're going to get built up with this metabolite. So you have to look at it from both ends. Now, what about, um, you know, arginine? I've heard it said that when we're younger, that can help with production. But as we age the ability to use that goes down. Is that true or not? Well, arginine, as I mentioned earlier, is a semi-essential amino acid. And so your body makes enough L-arginine through the urea cycle and also just from the breakdown of proteins, whether it's plant-based or, or, or animal-based proteins, there's usually arginine around. And so the amount of arginine, so this gets back to some basic biochemistry because the binding constant to the NOS enzyme is 5 micromolar meaning that you only need about five micromolar L-arginine to saturate 50% the binding side of the enzyme. But even in the sickest of people, their intracellular and plasma levels of arginine are 100 to 200 micromolar. Mm. So never a condition of nitric oxide or, or L-arginine deficiency. So giving more arginine through supplementation makes no sense biochemically. And in fact, there's several clinical trials showing that if you give L-arginine to a patient with endothelial dysfunction, they actually get worse. Yes. demonstrated in PAD patients and post-infarct patients. So you have to be careful because, you know, you can get into nitrogen imbalance and especially if you have an underlying urea cycle disorder or some SNP in that pathway, it could do more harm than good. And we have communicated that numerous times to not just take L-arginine in excess with the false belief you're going to get more nitric oxide out of that because that's just not true. So, so I have these little things on my desk and they stay on my desk every day. And I think, you know what these guys are. So I chew these little wafers (laughs) and I know what they are. Uh, I will do one, two, sometimes three, if I've had a hard day. Um, Tell us what these are, uh, Mr. Uh, Expert in nitric oxide. (laughs) So, well, Mark, you know, that's a product I developed and have patented now for about 10 or 12 years, but you know, the challenge in, not just 
the functional medicine arena, but also in big pharma, was developing safe and effective nitric oxide therapeutics. So understanding that nitric oxide is a gas. And so our philosophy is you give the body what it needs, it heals itself. And so what we've done with this lozenge, it's an orally disintegrating tablet, that when you place it in your mouth, this matrix begins to fall apart. And so there's a, there's a certain dissolution rate on that lozenge. And so there's active components in there that when these active components come together, we generate nitric oxide again. And so that's the basis for that lozenge. And so I think I've, I've got over two dozen issued U.S. international patents. I don't know, there's several that are practiced by that particular technology. We've got seven or eight published peer-reviewed clinical trials on that. But really the, the, the philosophy behind that technology is that if your body can't make nitric oxide, then we have to do it for you. Mm. So put that lozenge in your mouth and it's designed to, to allow to dissolve over about five to six minutes. If you chew it, you're going to get a faster break in a part. But what we want to do is we want to have a prolonged release of, of nitric oxide. So you put it in your mouth, you move it around, it'll take five to six minutes to dissolve. But we're generating about 30 parts per million nitric oxide gas. It's the mm. only technology in the world that generates nitric oxide gas. All other product technologies, you take a pill or you swallow something and you hope your body converts it into nitric oxide. But most of the time it doesn't happen because of the things we discussed earlier. The other thing that that technology does is it actually recouples that nitric oxide synthase enzyme. And so we see about a 15 to 20% improvement in endothelial function within 20 minutes of taking that lozenge. It's been oh, a certainly. product and you've seen great results with it. Yeah, and I will, I will echo those. We see great results with our patients. It's, it's very much of a standard care with us from a preventive standpoint because we believe, just like you said, the, the body is this miraculous creation. And if you just give it what we're supposed to give it, um, everything works well. And along those lines, Nathan, um, there are plants that we chew that full of these these nitrate substances, what, what are some good sources of that from our plants? Well, it's mainly your green, your dark green leafies like spinach, arugula, kale, um, celery, beets, you know, but here's, here's what we're finding. So that kind of broadly speaking, that's the case, but we published a study back in 2015, I think, where we went to five different cities across the U S and we just measured the nitrate content of, of five common vegetables. And what we found, I mean, we knew there was some variability, but, you know, there's as much as a 50-fold difference between broccoli and, and spinach bought in New York versus in Dallas or, or, New, or Chicago or even L.A. So there, there are regional farming practices different. So there's soil conditions that are different. And so there's really no way that you can actually standardize this because in, some, in, some, in New York, for whatever reason, seems to have the lowest nitrate content of any vegetables we've tested. And those are conventionally grown. Organically grown vegetables actually have about 10 times less nitrate than conventionally grown. So I think it's it's a, it's kind of a balance there. I think organic is good because you're not getting the herbicides and pesticides, but because of the nitrogen or the restrictions on nitrogen-based fertilizers for an organic label, there's not enough nitrogen in the soil to allow for nitrate assimilation as well as other nutrients into those plants. It's very fascinating. And so, you know, as you talk about this, this inorganic discussion, I'm glad you brought that up because that was leading me to another question. Um, there's a lot of material out there today that's marketed 
that would say, well, this is going to yield nitric oxide, but it's from organic substances. So I think you just addressed that. That that can't happen most likely, right? Well, I can't, I'm not going to say it's not happening. In fact, I've tested most, if not all, nitric oxide products on the market for a number of reasons. Number one, just to see if there's a product out there that actually does what the label says it does. Right. And then number two, to see if anybody's infringing on the patents because we have patents, we have license to the patents. And so I have an obligation to test these products. And, you know, 99% of the products out there that have a nitric oxide label on or nitric oxide claim um, don't do anything. And so, you know, if, and this is a little bit of a rub because there's comp- there's good companies out there that make really good products that sell a so-called nitric oxide product. Uh, and it's, you know, it, it provides good nutrients, but it's not a nitric oxide product. Mm. So I just tell people, you know, just be aware of that. It can contain, you know, some arginine or citrulline and carnitine and some green tea extract and some quercetin and all these other really good nutrients that your body may benefit from, but it's not a nitric oxide product. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a great answer. And, and um, before we came on, I was, I was asking you, can I say, hey, what have you been up to? And, and you were telling me about some really cool stuff that has recently been released to the media and it is some treatment for COVID. It's a, it's a drug. So man, um, I'm sure at this point, most people have heard about this. If you not go look it up, cause there, it is, it is out on the press releases. So at this point, what, what is this drug and what are you doing with this and what results are you seeing? Well, Mark, you know, I got into science and medicine 25 years ago because I had an interest in you know, solving some complex biological problems. And so I was trained as a drug discovery chemist. And so we were fortunate that we, we made some discoveries in natural product chemistry that allowed us to bring to market, you know, safe and effective dietary supplements as well as uh, functional foods. But really to kind of, if I can be selfish just for a second, my legacy is to develop safe and effective drugs that have been shown to clinically prove and address some unmet medical needs. So we've known for a long time that nitric oxide is very important in heart failure pulmonary hypertension, um, and a lot of these other, what's called obstructive but non-ischemic coronary disease. And so that's what we were after as a target. But then COVID appeared, you know, 10 months ago or whenever it showed up, and that offered us a way to fast track the drug approval. So, you know, now we're, I guess, nine months into this COVID pandemic. We know without a doubt that the people that are most susceptible to the coronavirus infection are those with underlying comorbidities that are symptoms of nitric oxide deficiency. So we know that people that have underlying cardiovascular issues like high blood pressure, diabetes, heart failure, kidney disease, acute respiratory distress syndrome, those are the ones that get the sickest. One, they're susceptible to infection. And then number two, they progress very rapidly to hospitalization, ventilation, and about a 10 time higher mortality. Mm-hmm. And second thing, is that we're seeing these collateral symptoms, these long-lasting symptoms that last long after the active infection is over, the increased incidence of embolism, blood clotting disorders, uh, kidney disease that persists long after the infection. So all of these is what we call endothelitis. It's an inflammation of the endothelial cells. Ooh, good word. Say that one more time. That's a new word for everybody. Yeah, endothelitis. So itis is inflammation in the preceding words, inflammation of the endothelium. And so you can correct this with nitric oxide. 
And so nitric oxide actually in 2005 was shown to inhibit coronavirus replication. So everything we know about COVID, Mark, today points to a nitric oxide as the problem, but nitric oxide as the solution. So we've got an IND approved from the FDA. We're in phase uh, three clinical trials in African-Americans, the most at-risk population. You know, everybody talks about health disparities. Nobody's ever addressed it. We're the That's first. Right. Um, so we're taking the most at-risk population. Uh, it's a double-blind, placebo-controlled, randomized study. Uh, 30 days, we'll look at hospitalization, ventilation, and death. The good thing about this study is we, we send the patients home with a pulse oximeter and a blood pressure cuff. And so they can monitor their oxygen levels to where if their oxygen levels fall to critical levels, uh, we can monitor that in real time. It connects to their smartphone. We get data. And then, you know, if they're taking the active, we're seeing their blood oxygen levels, you know, go from high 80s to high 90s within 10 minutes. They take the placebo. Obviously, nothing happens. And, you know, they need to go to the hospital if their oxygen levels get critical. Then we can monitor that and, and, and get them some help. So it's very exciting because, look, it's very safe, but most importantly, it's a very effective therapeutic, and it addresses every single component of coronavirus that we've learned about over the past 10 months. So you're seeing uh, benefit on this from what you've seen so far, right? Absolutely. I think it's fascinating because, you know, uh, we, we understand this from the same mindset in the sense that the uh, biblical principle here is the life is in the blood, right? If you can't you know, properly perfuse the blood, you've got a problem. And so this goes right back to the very core of that. And I find it just fascinating. Um, now, Nathan, um, you know, man, you, you are a wealth of knowledge um, and you're a great communicator in person. And you've also, you've got a, you've got a book or two out there. And I, I really want to know what I know. I'm going to run over there. I'm like, credenza, <laughs> but I want to know, uh, the title of your most recent book, what would you recommend uh, someone grab and read from the writings of Dr. Nathan Bryan? Well, you know, Mark, I've published hundreds of scientific papers in the medical and scientific literature. What I find is very few people <laughs> read those. All right. it's, it's good for academia, uh, but in the real world, it's, you know, I don't know what utility they have. So what I tried to do was take the 20 years of learning from a very complex scientific standpoint and communicate that into an easy to read laybook. And it's called Functional Nitric Oxide Nutrition. So to basically take you from the discovery of nitric oxide all the way to what we've discussed here in the past 25 or 30 minutes, it's a pretty easy read, about a, about a 90 minute read if you put it down start to finish. Um, but I think it's it's been it's been a hit because people learn something that you know they didn't know before. And that's, I think, very important. People need to understand that they may be doing things to their body, like using mouthwash or using antacids, that unintentionally are causing maybe some of the symptoms and problems they're experiencing. And just so simply stopping. So I try to tell people, do what you do to optimize your nitric oxide activity. That includes stop doing what's inhibiting it. So stop using mouthwash, stop using antacids, and then do the things that have been clinically proven to promote it. Eat a good balanced diet, lots of green leafy vegetables. Get moderate physical exercise. Exercise stimulates the production of nitric oxide. Do deep breathing exercises. Mm -hmm. Clean air. Drink clean water. And then remove yourself from toxic exposure. That's Sometimes that's very difficult to do. It's funny. I'll give you a quick testimonial. Um, in this office that I'm sitting in, this has been probably, um, 
I don't know, six, eight months ago, uh, both my wife and I have read this book, Functional Nitric Oxide Nutrition. So I, I want to put that link in the uh, feed here. So I want people to get that book. So please do. It's, it's worth the read. We read it on a plane after you spoke at an event and uh, we were just mesmerized, you know, like there it is right there. But I shared this book with a dentist in this office who had for years taught what we just discussed. And uh, he himself actually was suffering from chronic hypertension and on medication. So he was having trouble with that very poor nutrition, very poor lifestyle. So we uh, removed the things, as you said, even including the mouthwash. Um, and his indeed hypertensive state went to normal tensive at that point. So it took a few months. I mean, we're talking four or five months because we had to make lifestyle adjustments because as you said, it was all of that. But because of your book, because of your teaching, it has revolutionized his practice. And next step, he is now going into functional dentistry. So <laughs> good for him. Um, I couldn't wait to share that with you because that really happened. And, you know, I think with you, you're very accessible. You have a very good blog, which I love to follow and I love to read. How, how do people, I want them to get the book again in the link, but how do people connect with you uh, and stay up with what you got going on? Well, I've got an educational website called drnathansbryan.com. It's, um, you know, I do a monthly blog. I try to provide some timely and practical information on that blog. Um, you know, I've got several social media sites. I've got people who do social media for me just to keep up. Because as you know, Mark, it's very difficult to stay up to date with everything. So we have to yeah. delegate some of the tasks. Um, but yeah, that's probably the easiest way. And, you know, I try to update my travel schedule there. That if you're looking for CMEs or, you know, just public forums to go and learn more about nitric oxide. I've got a YouTube channel, uh, a lot of videos uploaded there. We try to keep that current. Um, but that's probably the easiest way. And then, you know, you can always access me through email on my website. Uh, yeah, I try to stay as accessible as I can because I think the information that we have to share, Mark, which you and Michelle understand, is life-changing. So our job is to get the information, the education, in the hands of the people that can use it and benefit from it the most. Well, I agree. So can they get access to your YouTube channel and all that, through the website, et cetera, and all that's there and just access I think so. Okay. Uh, we'll make sure to put this, um, you know, here so we can all have access. You know, I want people to connect with you and I, I would um, like for you with respectful requests again to do this again, because I want to find out more about the trial uh, results of that, because we're in a really, uh, at the time of this recording, you know, you just released this thing and, and did a press release, but uh, we're still in the throes of this, um, I think you and I both know it's not as big of uncertainty as we think. Right. We're probably barking up the wrong tree a lot of times. So I appreciate your heart. I appreciate your methods and I appreciate the motivation behind it. Um, and I really want to thank you for, for joining us today on our broadcast. Well, thank you. You guys keep up the great work. You're doing life changing work there in Tulsa and, and all around the globe to so keep up the good work. Teamwork. I can't wait to see you again. Uh, folks, this has been a wonderful time with a wonderful man and a wonderful friend and a very smart guy that's out there to change the world. So I really want to encourage you to get his books, follow his blog, get on his YouTube channel, learn, 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 learn. This is a lot of 
uh, he is a lot of the reason that Dr. Michelle and I uh, pursue uh, nitric oxide efficiently with all of you all the time. And that's why you hear us harping the drum. So thank you for listening today. And as always, I ask you to subscribe to find out what and who's coming next. And don't let these things that are perhaps stealing your best health continue to bring you down. We'll look forward to seeing you next time on Healthcare's Missing Link.